0: I'm Matt, and I'm Jenna, we are Manna,
1: and this is Food for Thought,
0: a podcast dedicated to encourage and inspire you as you seek to grow your relationship with Christ and live out your Catholic faith. Today we continue our five-part series on the Transcendental Desires. Today we're talking about truth, lies, and tolerance. Hey Jenna, did you hear that they're going to give uh, Scarecrow uh, an Oscar?
1: <laughs> no.
0: Yeah, he, apparently he's outstanding in his field. <laughs> Hi everyone, welcome Hello! to episode 15. Um, Jenna, you want to share your toy junk, Jesus? Field.
1: Yes, so this weekend I was blessed to drive to San Jose with um, Matt's wife, Erica, and we went to the Blessed Is She Wild Retreat, and it was so good and so beautiful, and so my joy was actually our six-hour drive up there, because both of us are very pregnant, (laughs) and so we had to stop many times, Um, but my favorite part was that I haven't met anybody else that gets just as excited as I do every time we see an animal on the road, (laughs) and so... Usually people look at me weird when I'm mooing at the cows (laughs) and talking to them, but who else is going to talk to them? And um, it's like saying hi to the peacocks that we see at the gas stations. And it was just really fun because we were both, every single time we saw a bird or a baby horse or a sheep, we had to talk about it. Mm. So that was my joy. My Jesus moment was in adoration. Um, It was really beautiful because the priest went around with the monstrance, and paused at every single woman on the retreat, and um, placed Christ right in front of her face. And the last session, they were talking about how Christ just wants to uh, be with you, and just like hold his daughter. And so, we all got to have that like beautiful encounter, where just Christ um, held our gaze, and we Mm -hmm. just got to be with him. At first, it was very awkward, when I saw him going around doing that, and the like the awkward in me was like, nope, I don't want, first of all, I don't want a priest that close to my face. <laughs> Second of all, um, everybody's gonna be watching me, so like, I don't want to do that. And third, like, that's gonna take a really long time. <laughs> but it was just a beautiful moment. And then I was jealous after Christ, like, passed by me and I had my moment and he was going to everybody else. I was like, come back! <laughs> come back! So that was my, joy, my Jesus. My junk, you guys, I think I have elephantitis of the feet. Um, <laughs> (laughs) My my feet and my ankles are so swollen from pregnancy and I don't fit in any shoes. I literally had to go out and get new shoes and those are, it's now like beginning where those don't even fit. And so my teens were joking with me the other day that I should get those sport like Velcro strap shoes um, and just rock those. So or some crocs. Well, I could get crocs too. <laughs> but then like they'll start billowing out of like the little holes. croc and sandals. Crandles. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> that's my junk because it doesn't feel good mm-hmm. and it's uncomfortable. The things we do for pregnancy. Go ahead. Well, I don't Nat. think
0: you chose that part of it, but
1: <laughs> I, I specifically chose if I could do anything in pregnancy that's not great, it's the ankles. No.
0: Nice. Um, my joy, first of all, we have a new supporter on Patreon and that's Kelsey DiBernardo. A shout out to her. Awesome, awesome lady. Um, another one of my joys, I, when you guys were gone on retreat, I got to get some work done on some house do it yourself projects that turned out really <laughs> good. Um, so I'm really excited about that. And my junk, I'm on medication right now that is affecting my energy and my memory. And my memory yes. is like... I have an eidetic memory so like my memory is really 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 insanely good and now I'm having trouble. So
1: you're basically brought down to everyone else's <laughs> I'm, level.
0: I'm it's a struggle. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. No, I'm just kidding.
1: Wow. Uh, <laughs> wow. No,
0: but it's it's like scary. It's it's almost like you're it's so used, you're to, used your, to your your brain yeah. working a certain way and yeah. then it doesn't. It's almost like a window into like people who struggle with Alzheimer's or mm-hmm. dementia or something. Like in a very small sense. Like I'm not saying it's like that bad, but <laughs> like to, to like know that your brain works a certain way and then suddenly be like, I have no idea what's yeah. going on it's in like a moment. Yeah, it's very unsettling. So that's my junk. So pray for me in that. Um, my Jesus moment, um, yesterday I was... Um, Doing like enrollment for benefits and stuff for work and thinking about like new baby and all the insurance costs and all of that that will go up and I'm getting a promotion in July and a raise and I sat down and I was like I'm going to do the math and see like if this is going to cover everything and I did the math and literally within like a dollar like it perfectly covered everything that's gonna like increase and I was like this is like I I just said like Jesus you are so good like out loud because I just I couldn't believe it and that's just how it's always been with just like trusting him with that part of Mm. our life and you know especially everything but you know finances are hard to like let go of that you know sense of trust and control and anytime we do he always provides so what are you gonna do with
1: that one dollar you
0: know it's my the world of gumballs is my oyster. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, four of any color. You know, we'll wow. see. Or any combination of colors. 99 cent store? True. True. Mm. Yes. So, that's pretty awesome. Um, so, today on our episode, we're continuing our five-part series Woo! on these five transcendental desires, the things that we all want. And so... To refresh your memory, if you haven't been listening, those are, um, we all, every single human person desires in some capacity, to some extent, perfect love, being, truth, goodness, and beauty. And so episode 13 was on love and we talked about how each one of these transcendentals has a traditional opposite, but it's not the most distorted version of that virtue. And so for instance, we typically think the opposite of love is hate, but hate is still an action and hate. Um, You know, it says in scripture, hate what is evil and hate can be something that is um, at least we're acting in some sense in the vein of um, Revelations 316, where um, the Lord says, I'd rather you be hot or cold. But if you're lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. So these lukewarm distortions or alternatives are the most destructive ones. So we talked about how um, the opposite of love is not hate. It's fear. And then last episode, episode 14, we talked about being, the sense of belonging, um, that that's not the, the opposite of that is not solitude or loneliness, but it's actually just something called tokenism, where your sense of being is only aligned to one particular thing about you. um, And that conforms to your whole identity. Mm -hmm. So today we're talking about truth. And so what would be the traditional opposite of truth, Jenna? lies lies yes um lies. but i think like not that lying is good but there is room i think in life for the necessity of a little white lie to save face or save someone's feelings or whoa save someone's you know we do that we do that <laughs> um i'm sure if um you know you're hysterical and you go to tony and you say do my feet look disgusting and do you hate me and if tony's like well, your feet are pretty big, but if he starts like talking about that in that moment, you're gonna be like, This is this is not good. Like my life is over. <laughs> so he'll be like, No, everything looks completely hundred percent normal.
1: It seems like my life though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, there's room for that. Not to saying that lying is good, but there is a worse alternative, and that's yeah. very, very prevalent in our culture, and that's what we're gonna be talking about today, and that is tolerance. Mm. And tolerance is a word that I think has gotten a lot of positive spin in our culture lately. Like tolerance is this idea of acceptance and hospitality and welcoming people and loving them exactly as they are. And that um, in a sense is still something that's good, still something we should do. That's part of being a loving Christian is loving other people um, and not, you know, waiting for the conditions, you know, of which that we are required to love them. However, we don't Loving them does not offer us the opportunity to just say you're fine as you are, keep doing whatever you're doing, even if it's bad, and everything's still okay. And I'm just gonna accept that. Mm. That's the kind the kind of tolerance that we're talking about that can be very destructive because um, it's not benefiting the other person.
1: We see this like all the time, and I just sometimes want to say fight me when. <laughs> <laughs> stuff like this comes up because it's so often things that are like that are so bad for somebody that we in our society have said oh well we just have to allow that and it's like no i don't want you to go jump off a cliff Mm -hmm. and i'm just gonna be like yeah you know what you think that's really good for you you do that you you i'll just stand here and watch you yeah you know and that's 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 what we're talking about today is yeah. that jumping off the cliff
0: and the problem with tolerance is it doesn't it doesn't take a side you know mm-hmm. it it has this idea that like everything is okay mm-hmm. and the problem is if that's if that's allowed if that's acceptable like if everything is based just on our own experience or feeling our own opinion yeah. um then toler- tolerance is not truly loving someone you're not willing to go up to someone and say, actually, this is wrong. This is bad for you. Um, you need to stop doing this. Not to shove an ideology or you know um, anything down someone's throat, but to recognize that there are things that are objectively yes. wrong, objectively evil, objectively bad, and that we as human people are not designed for those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so oftentimes this results like we got to talk about like relativism, mm-hmm. postmodernism, mm-hmm. like this idea that there is some sense of absolute truth out there Um, and that's something that our culture is very averse to you know the they don't like it at all yeah they don't like this idea that there is something that could be you know um impartially true you know it's all up to a single person Mm -hmm. um and that in itself is a paradox, you know, because you can't say it's absolutely true that there is no absolute truth. Yes, like, that's, that's a paradox. Because that's an absolute <laughs> truth. So like everything that we do, every opinion that we have, in a sense, we're making a truth claim. Something is good, something is bad. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it bothers me when people think that like it, what really bothers me is when people who maybe consider themselves pro-life or consider themselves religious and they say, oh. well, I'm against abortion I would never do it, yeah. but I'm not going to force anyone else not to. Right, and so it's like, okay, you're not really taking a side, and you're you're saying you're being tolerant, but if you really believe that the that abortion is killing a human life,
1: you would not tolerate then, that. Yeah,
0: you would never tolerate that. So you either got you got to make a choice. Yeah, you know, is it a human life or is it not? Um, and and you got to stick and run to that choice. Mm-hmm. And and you know, we're not gonna we're obviously pro life because we're Catholic, but we're not going to tell you you have to pick one or the other. The mm-hmm. idea is, are you? You have to pick one. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you have to pick one. Well, uh, you our, can't just dance around in the middle.
1: Yeah, our world is a world of comfort, and to put yourself in a place that is not comfortable, where you're picking a side, we we shy away from. We want running away from that idea and that concept. But there are such things as objective and subject. Like, there's there's truth out yeah. there, and we do not
0: like is like rape that. <laughs> yes is murder bad
1: yes yes like those
0: things that are objectively true yes no one there's no one on the history of the, of the planet who can come to you and say actually i have a situation where rape would be totally okay and you'd be like wow i'm convinced no. like that's yeah. not possible no like that is one of the most extreme and horrific violations of human dignity right. and like it's objectively true for all of us listening yes. and all of us you know thinking about this, that that is evil.
1: Yeah. Once so, we apply this concept to, like, the the world's concept of, if truth is just opinion, mm-hmm. if, like, somebody is a rapist, in their opinion, it's okay. Yeah. Or a murder, it's okay, because it makes them feel good. It yeah. makes them feel fulfilled. It fulfills that desire to do that act. But you, like, we can stand back and say, no, 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 that's wrong. That's bad. That isn't... A truth that we know that murder and rape and all these things are not okay in any capacity, in any, um, whatever. Yeah. Moment. Um, but we, in other areas, it's so much easier to just say, oh, well, I mean, it's, it's what they think. And that's okay.
0: And I think we get in the habit of thinking like, oh, this is me telling someone how to live their life. Yes. And it's like, no, like you can observe from nature, from logic, from the way our bodies are designed, from human interaction, from sociological studies, from scientific proofs that there are certain things that are good for the human body and bad for the human body. Mm -hmm. Certain ways that are good for us to socialize and bad for us to socialize. Certain ways that we're designed to be in relationship and not designed to be in relationship. And so this kind of just stems around this idea that if you never say no, then your yes means nothing. Mm-hmm. And the idea of tolerance is like, you never say no to anything. Like anything's fair game because you don't want to offend anyone. You want to accept everyone. And I want to dispel this idea that tolerance and acceptance are synonyms. Mm-hmm. You can accept a person and welcome them and be loving to them and not tolerate everything that they're doing because some of the stuff that they may be doing is really destructive yeah. for them. Uh, is really destructive for their body, for their um, sociability, for their brain chemistry, for whatever others. it might be. Yeah. Um, yeah, it could be destructive to other people. Yeah. And so those are things that like help this issue kind of uh, come to light, at least for us, is that like tolerance is not something that is loving.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know, it's. Can you imagine like to if tolerate I
1: tolerate somebody, yeah, if, That's I got, not loving. Yeah, if
0: I got married, or I did get married, but when I got married, <laughs> if I stood at the altar and was like, I vow to tolerate you all the days oh my of gosh. my life. Like can you, you can see the real connotation of that there in that moment, yeah. that tolerance is less than love. It's not, it, they do not equate. Um, Jesus says in, in John chapter 14, verse six, this famous verse, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. Notice that Jesus doesn't say I am a way. I am a truth. I am a lifestyle. He says, I am the way, the truth, the life that there is one way to the father. And that's through Jesus, whether you know his name or not, like there are ways to the father through him, but not through any other way. And that speaks to this reality that there is a truth, a sense of truth, things that are true, things that are untrue, things that are good, things that are evil, um, which we'll get into in another episode. Um, but that we objectively need to recognize and we can't dance around and just say like, well, I'm just going to let them, let them tolerate it. And part of this comes from this idea of the fact that we live in a postmodern world. So postmodernism is the era that we live in now, which came after modernism. And then before that was like classical thought. And so there's this, if you, if you don't know the difference between those, it can help illuminate kind of why, how we've gotten here. And so there's this, um, anecdote with three umpires there's a classical umpire, the modern umpire, and the postmodern umpire. And the classical umpire says, um, "I balls and strikes, I call them as they are. You know, look at the objective world, the objective reality, and see. Okay, that's a ball, that's a strike." A modern um, umpire says, um, "I call them how I see them." Mm. And so modernism was all about observable reality. What's scientifically proven? What can we see, you know, in terms of factual analysis, what's real? And so this idea of truth was a little bit more welcome in an idea of modernism because you were looking for what was true and what was not. Mm-hmm. However, it's more based in science. There wasn't like any um, kind of consensus that there truth existed outside of that realm. But you could probably argue that a little more easily than you could today because in postmodernism, Um, the postmodern umpire says, balls and strikes, they ain't anything until I, until I say they are. Say that again. Balls and strikes, they're not anything until I say they are. Okay. So it's, I call them as they are. I call them as I see them. They're not anything until I say they are. So postmodernism is all about experience, Mm -hmm. opinion, um, your, your narrative, your context. And that's where truth for you doesn't have to be true for anyone else. That's where truth comes from. Mm -hmm. And it seems very nice in saying, like, we all have this truth that we can, you know, be the narrator of. um, And it's, like, nice and comfy and all that. But it it can't... Not everybody can be true. Like, not everything can be true. reality. (laughs) Yeah. Because then there's nothing that's untrue. And then the idea of truth completely dissolves. Because there's no opposite. So, um, that's the issue that we deal with. That's what relativism is, if you ever heard that word. It's the idea that... Um, truth is relative to the person, to the situation, to the individual. And so that's kind of what we're talking about um, today. Anything to add?
1: <laughs> and I'm thinking. Well, I'm, I'm wondering if we actually need to explain what objective and subjective truth are because we've been kind of saying those sure. words. Yeah.
0: yeah, subjective truth is based on opinion. So like um, pizza is good. That's a subjective truth yeah. because that's your opinion. You are making a truth claim about pizza. But it's based on your own, the subject, mm-hmm. like the subject of me or the subject of you. Mm-hmm. Objective truth is based on something that is an object that we all should react toward the exact same way because it is objectively true right. or objectively untrue. Right. And so, for instance, um,
1: gravity,
0: gravity. Yeah. Well, gravity is like a, a law. But yeah, that's true. It's like an gravity. Objective objects. truth. Yeah. yeah. The earth is flat. True. Yeah. Just kidding, Tony.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just, uh, <laughs> it's flat. I
0: mean, isn't it flat? Isn't it flat? Is it really?
1: It, it is. It yeah. is flat.
0: Okay. <laughs> uh, no, so the earth is round. Like, we know that. We've been to space. Um, rape is evil. Rape is bad. Like, those are things that are true. Yes. And so we can look at the world around us. And see, okay, what do we know observably to be true? Mm -hmm. And so for us in Catholicism, we can look at the world and the universe and say, the universe has a beginning. And therefore, the universe must have a beginner. That is objectively true based on what we can observe from science. Nothing can disprove that. Nothing has disproved that. No other theory in existence about the origins of the universe is in contrary to that, even if it seems to be at first. Mm -hmm. And so we say that it is objectively true that somehow something outside the laws of space and time began our universe, at least as we can observe it now. Um, That's what we believe, you know, uh, as Catholics in terms of teaching, but it's also something that we can observe to be objectively true about reality. Something had to begin our universe based on the scientific proofs that we know uh, that we observe in space. So, and then we make those different claims from that point, you know, right. who is this God? And, and you know, we'll talk about a saint in a little while that did that really, really well. Um, but this is kind of the idea that we're grappling with. Is, it, is tolerance equated to truth? Why, why has tolerance taken over? Where has this idea of truth gone? Um, and is this really beneficial for us as a society to just simply tolerate other people tolerate what people are doing even if it's destructive even if it's something that we think morally is not okay
1: Mm -hmm. well the catholic church and mac you can correct me if this is wrong because i was just thinking about this in my mind um but the catholic church says that there is an order that god has created an order to our world an order to our life an order to who we are where our world says you can create that order Mm. right
0: yeah In a sense. Yeah. And we we would call that natural law. That there's like a natural sense of how things are, how things exist, how things are ordered. Um, And so it's for this reason that like um, the church will say things or religious organizations will say things like um, you shouldn't engage in sexual contact before you're married. Right. And... A lot of people will say, well, that's ridiculous. You're just you're just forcing your ideology upon me. Like I, I should be able to make my own decisions. Mm-hmm. Part of that is true. You do have free will. You know, no one can force you to exercise your free will. What the church is saying is like there's 2,000 years of tradition and teaching that is behind this statement and we want to help you understand that this is the best decision for the way that your body is designed, the way that you are naturally ordered, as you, right. just, you just said. Most people don't know. That when they engage in that type of act, that their body releases hormones that bond them to that person permanently. Mm-hmm. It's meant to be a permanent bond, and that there are observed sociological, psychological, emotional effects to breaking that bond. And so, uh, if we talk about sociology, people who live together before they're married are, um, you know, fifty percent times more, fifty percent more likely to get a divorce because they right. have this cohabitive. Uh, idea in their mind that their partner is also their roommate and if Mm -hmm. it doesn't work out they can just skip out on the lease. Mm -hmm. And they subconsciously apply that same thing to the relationship. People don't realize that but that has been proven by studies.
1: That is science? (laughs) Yes,
0: yeah. And so like there's reasons why religion, um, philosophers, like people who make truth claims say the things that they do because it's observed scientifically, logically, to be objectively true. Um, Nobody... At least nobody of a reasonable mind looks at gravity <laughs> and says, like, you know, I'm not really sure. Like, I don't see any evidence of it. It's I like, love well, you, are you reasonable
1: mind. Yes, because there flat
0: earthers don't believe in gravity. People. But um, <laughs> they believe in something else. You know, the force of the earth traveling through space you know, holding us down to being pulled. So
1: wait, that's gravity. Yes.
0: Yeah. And if you don't know, if you want to learn more about that, check out Jenna's husband's podcast, space, Space but messier. messier. Yes. um, Because they talk a little bit about that. Um, (laughs) So anyways, um, there are things that like they're observed to be true. And so anyone of reasonable, rational mind doesn't look at a scientifically proven fact and say, no, you know, I have another opinion and you have no right to tell me that that opinion is wrong. It's like, well, if it's proven over and over and over again scientifically to be untrue, then yeah, you're wrong. It's the same thing with um, vaccinations. There was mm. one study that was proven to be, um, what is it? Proven to be um, done wrong. Like proven yeah. to be, um, I can't think of the word. Um Proven to be false in its it, in its um, objectivity and in its findings, one study out of thousands that showed some possible correlation between autism and vaccinations. That has been debunked time and time and time and time again because um, it wasn't done, the study wasn't done properly, the findings they actually found were inconclusive and could be explained by other different things, um, and there's no whatsoever scientific correlation. And yet there are people all over the world who still today believe that they should not vaccinate because yeah. it causes autism. Yeah. And you know that is one of those things that we're talking about. Do you tolerate that? And put your own child at risk, not knowing who's out there who hasn't received that vaccination and could yeah. give your child a deadly disease that we should be vaccinated from completely as a culture um you know do you tolerate that because that's the nice thing to do, or do you go to them with love and say, actually, you know this has been proven to not be true like yeah. you know, and sit with them and have a don't try and shove it down their throat, but have a conversation with them and try and lead them to the truth,
1: yeah well it just <sighs> That is one little tiny drop in the ocean of, like you said, of so much other science that has backed up uh, vaccinations being positive. But that little drop made such a ripple effect in such a large, large, profound way. But at the same time, there are so many people that have said, oh, I'm not going to vaccinate my children because you know, it's connected to autism, but they haven't done the research. And in that same way, we do so many things in our lives that it's like, well, I mean, it's my opinion to do this with my life and it's not going to harm me because I've seen and heard that it's good for everybody to accept me the way that I am, but they don't do the research and the findings of, is this actually really, really good for me? Is this actually going to fulfill me? Is this actually going to, um... Bring me to, like, my fullest potential. Yeah. And oftentimes, no. What our world is projecting and pushing on us, it we, I don't know. It's yeah. not.
0: Um, Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, someone who's on the path to sainthood, um, he once said, um, America, it is said, is suffering from intolerance. It is not. It is suffering from tolerance. Tolerance of right and wrong, truth and error, virtue and evil, Christ and chaos. Mm-hmm. You know, he saw, he observed that, you know, we can't have both because they're diametrically opposed. They're going in two opposite directions. And if we approve of everything, that's just going to scatter us. You know, it's going to destroy us. We have to be able to say this is wrong and this is right. Um, and people, people get really touchy about that because yeah. like, who are you to tell me how to live my life? Who are you to tell me what decisions to make? And you kind of want to be like, Um, Well, it's not just me. It's science. It's logic. It's nature. It's like, you know, do you know about all of this? And most people aren't willing to have that conversation because somehow we've believed as a culture that instantly my opinion that I've just generated out of thin air is has more scientific and like grounding and weight than anything that an actual MD or scientist or PhD could tell me simply by virtue of the fact that it's my opinion opinion and I have a right to have it. You have a right to have your opinion, but your opinion can also be proven to be totally wrong. (laughs) It
1: can be so wrong. Yeah. 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 We are so offended so easily today.
0: I can have an opinion that farting causes cancer,
1: (gasps) but it does. Does it? Well, I wish I it know. does. I, that
0: would have been really embarrassing if it does, and I had no idea.
1: <laughs> no, someone
0: I'm can kidding. can you please someone out there? Who's I also sciency? believe that
1: if you don't fart, you explode.
0: <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> so, any, anyways, I don't know why we just had farting claims, but um, <laughs> to
1: lighten the podcast, <laughs> in case we've offended you,
0: yeah. So this is, But this is a real problem we need to talk about you know, as a church and as people who are seeking to evangelize other people. Uh, Matthew Kelly, who is um, someone who um, is a, kind of a present-day evangelist, he said, um, Relativism is the enemy of evangelization because if all the ways of living are equal, then there is no need to lead others to a better life. And what tolerance basically does is it's letting our culture run toward complacency. Run toward mediocrity and say everything's okay. You don't need to strive to be uncomfortable, to uh, be proven that you're wrong, to absorb criticism. You know, um, the ways that people like teachers are treated today... Because of the ways they try and correct students or criticize them positively. And then they get all hurt because they've been coddled their whole life. And their parents come come and believe that their child is the Messiah and everything they say is gospel and has to be believed. And they come and ridicule this poor teacher. It's like, come on. Like, maybe your kid sucks at math. That's okay. They're good at other things. Like,. Let Listen to the person who objectively knows the right answer and the wrong answer to 16 times 2 and let them tell you that it is not 4 or chair or purple. Like, let them convince you of that. No, it's not Shoot. Purple. So, most people think it is. But, you know, it's not. So...
1: I also think it's Laurel.
0: <laughs> so, anyways. Um... But, I, you know, the other aspect of this is, like, I see people in the church get really, really uh, worried
1: about right. this. Right,
0: And what they the, – the false thing, I think, that they do is they run to the truth and they cling to it. Like, we circle the wagons and we say, okay, if we just – if other people would just know the truth, if we would just share it with them, if we would just shove, shove it down it. their throats, yep. if we would just convince them of the teachings of the church – They would know it and they would believe it because we know it and we believe it and it makes our lives awesome. And it's like, okay, look, they're not you, first of all. And you don't have to worry that much about the truth. St. Augustine, this is one of my favorite St. quotes of all time. He said, the truth is a lion. You do not need to defend it. Set it free. It will defend itself. And so what we need to be doing is just opening the doors, like finding ways to set that free, finding ways to have those conversations with people Um, about things that other people are just tolerating about their lives and to help them realize, like, to ask them, like, hey, are you really, truly happy? Are you really where you want to be in life? Is this thing that, you know, you're doing the way that you are in this relationship, in this lifestyle, in this addiction, in this habit, is that really leading you to a place where you feel like you're being the best version of yourself? That's not religious language. That's language about being successful, about being great, about succeeding in the world. Things that people really uh, can get behind. Right. Um, you know, everybody wants to hustle. You know, right. that's like part of, you know, it's a cultural thing. Everyone wants to be a hustler in their field, in their, you know, given practice, but we're losing the ability to do the work to get it there and to acknowledge that like, I need to change. I need to work hard. I maybe need to completely reorient the way I look at life, the things I believe okay. to do that. And so we need to lovingly be able to have those conversations with people and say, look, like this doesn't look like it's good for you. Like, do you feel that at all? Do you experience that? Like, how are you navigating this tension between your faith and this, you know, if it's, if they're a person of faith? How are you dealing with the fact that, um, you know, you seem to be a lot more unhappy these days? Like, why do you think that is? What do you think is the cause of that? And sit and have that conversation with them. Not assuming that you know the answer. But just by knowing that person and getting like a read on how their personality may have changed to be able to come to them and say, I've seen this change about you. Like, what do you yeah. think about that?
1: The, the key word there is conversation. And then on top of it, you can't go into those conversations with the, um, like, <laughs> I, what, is the, what is the word? I don't know. The air of being Right.
0: Mm, yes you know yeah. you can't
1: go into those conversations being i know best i, I have know the truth
0: and i am coming truth. to give you poor peons <laughs> all of my enlightenment
1: because usually and all we're doing in those conversations is planting seeds yeah we're not having like conver- major conversions of heart we're not having um like these profound aha moments with these people yes it's just hey I really have noticed, like you said, I've noticed this about you. I noticed that you're really desiring this one thing, but is it really going to, like, fulfill you? Or are you just going to continue seeking and move on to the next thing afterwards? You know? So, yeah, going into those conversations without an air of, I'm right, you're wrong, we're going to fix this about you. Because I think that's the thing as we go in and we're like, I need to fix you. And I need you to know that. And I need you to know that you're doing something wrong. Because anybody that goes into a conversation like that, the other person is going to run away. That's yeah. so repulsive and that's so um, aggressive. And especially in our society, we don't like people that have, are aggressive yeah. <laughs> and coming yeah. at us like
0: that. And we also forget that like, even if you don't have all the, the reasons or rationality worked out, you can still be a person of faith. Yeah. And that those people may be closer to God than we are. Um, they just might be struggling with something different or they may be a little bit more willing to be vulnerable about their struggle. And we're kind of hiding ours because we we know the truth and we want to act like we're living it out perfectly. And so there needs to be this sense of vulnerability. You know, ever since this is something that needs to shift in our church as a whole, I think, is that ever since the Protestant Reformation and the whole era after that of the Renaissance and the Enlightenment, like before that, it was all about faith and reason. You know, like your faith was like how you practiced this, how you lived your life, like how you helped others, how you served others, and there was the reasonable sense of it. After the Protestant Reformation and in the era of Enlightenment and modernism, postmodernism, we clung to reason, like for our lives. And everything became about what's different between us and Protestants. What's different between what we believe in this person. There was no big split before to where we really ever had to talk about that. People just taught it and they knew it and they expressed it and they struggled with it and people helped them. But now it was like, no, you have to believe this way because if you don't, you're going to be one of them. And, and then with the whole era of enlightenment and modernism, it came, became about proven facts and evidence. And so how do we logically come to these claims without this idea of faith, of just believing that God is real and having that faith in him. Um, and that is something that we have completely lost the art of. I think the, the, the beauty that can come in just those faith moments. Mm-hmm. Um, praying, like yeah, praying how, with somebody? how often we forget that like, you know, people ask like, how do I do this? How do I convince my family member that um, they need to start coming back to church? And the answer that I would give them first and foremost would be pray for them. Mm-hmm. And most people in their mind would be like, okay, yeah, but what else? Mm-hmm. And it's like, have we lost the fact that like Jesus says in scripture, whatever you ask of me in truth, I will give to you. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Like whatever you ask from my heavenly father, he will give Fair to you. Works. We've forgotten that faithful art of coming to God and just saying like, I have faith in you. I have faith that this is going to happen in the way that you've ordained, in the way that you've planned. Help me see it. Help me experience it. Help me yeah. be a part of it. Um, Help that come to pass. Like we've we've lost that art of prayer, I think completely in terms of, you know, that aspect of having that faith Mm -hmm. you know faith and reason together Mm -hmm. we've become so reason focused that we've become so truth focused in our evangelization of other people that it's just here's what the church believes here's why it's the best you know belief to have here's why it's better than any other beliefs here's why you need to believe it and uh i just i don't see that work i don't you know i mean it's it's reasonable to think like if they know the truth they'll understand it they'll see that it's good and then they'll see that it's beautiful I tend to go the other way. You know, you have to show them be- something beautiful. Let them have an experience that captures them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they'll see that it, it's that it's good and they'll seek to know the truth mm-hmm. because they're attached to it. They're pursuing it on their own. They want to know more. Yeah. And so we're going to talk a little bit about th- those are the next two episodes coming, goodness and beauty, um, the, the last two of the five. But um, those three are typically always linked, truth, goodness, and beauty, because they're so intertwined. And originally, when I had this idea to do this series, it was just those three. And it expanded to those five, because those really are the five things that Plato talks about. Um, But those three are always listed together. They're called the transcendentals, truth, goodness, and beauty. Um, And those are things that our culture is really, really hungry for. um, Because we've settled for stuff like tolerance.
1: Oftentimes when I go and do women's sessions... um... And we finally do get to the point where it's like we've shown them the beauty, we've shown them the truth. That those questions of, well, how do I do this? Like, what what do I do? And I'll give them the, you know, the tools. But then they're like, but there has to be something more. I'm like, yeah. The first thing that I said, prayer. <laughs> and this is exactly what you said. The prayer is no longer enough for us because we are such a do 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 society. Yeah. Um. And if we don't see it, we don't see ourselves. I don't know, doing something active and like physically changing what we're perceiving and what we're seeing um then it's not working but uh, gosh yeah we need no. to be praying that's the only way throwing ourselves on our knees and yeah that should be our first thing
0: yeah Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen also said um if you if you do not live what you believe you will believe you'll end up believing what you live And so like you'll just get into a habit and that'll just become what you believe Mm -hmm. instead of exercising the things you know to be true. Um, And people always say this quote about St. Augustine as kind of a joke where he said, Oh Lord, give me chastity, but not yet. Yeah. And people always, Oh, that's hilarious. Like, and he's so relatable because he struggled with chastity and that's true. But I think it also speaks to the fact that he knew once he started praying for that, that he would get it. Yeah. Like he had that type of faith to know, like once I ask for it, God is going to give it to me. It's a matter of whether or not I'm ready to accept it, ready Mm -hmm. to receive it. And that's, it takes a lot of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um and I think like a lot of people brush over that as like a fun anecdote. But um no, like that's that's the reality. Like we have to be able to recognize the power of prayer and where we're lacking in terms of faith and, and exercising what we believe, you know? Um and are we are we allowing ourselves to tolerate stuff that we're doing? Yeah. You know, is another part of this. Um am I going out into these conversations and telling people that they need to believe this, this and this? like you said, under the auspices that like, I am the bearer of truth and that everything is, um, you know, I am the one bearing the light. You know what light bearer means? That's the name Lucifer. That's what that name means. That's in the Bible, people. You want to be Lucifer to somebody? I don't think so. So, but in reality, like this, this has to do with us too. We need to be honest about the ways that we are failing and be vulnerable and not act like we're perfect. That is why people run from the church in droves is because they feel that it is a hypocritical institution. And if we're really living the fact that we are just a gathering of sinners, then we should look a little bit more like sinners. Now, I'm not saying like, look at all the bad things I've done. Like, look at all the dirt and all the bad that exists here. But getting rid of this perception that like, I'm good, you're bad. I'm living my life in a better way because I go to church and I put money in the basket and you don't do that and so I'm better than you. There are a lot of people, you know... Most of, the, most of the saints that are living today, statistically speaking, aren't even Catholic yet, mm. like based on past experience, you know, like, so we can't be sitting on our high horses and in our, you know, ivory towers judging people simply because they're not living in the way that we live. Yeah. However, when those opportunities for conversation come up and it's obvious that someone is not happy or satisfied in the way that they're living, we have to be willing to have those conversations. And when we're not... Living up to the standard that we know to be true, because we profess to believe in the teachings of the church and in Jesus Christ, then we have to be able to be vulnerable and say, "I'm I'm not doing this well either." Mm-hmm. Um, in mm-hmm. First John chapter one, it says, "If we say we are without sin, we declare ourselves, and the truth is not in us." Mm-hmm. Like we cannot be people who express belief in the truth. You know, we believe that Catholicism is the fullness of truth, but there are also paths of truth in other religious traditions and other spiritual paths and other ways of life as well. But ultimately, if you are seeking the truth fully and wholeheartedly, you'll be, you'll end up here. Like that's what we really believe because like the, just the full deposit of faith, everything that we have in the 2000 years rich of our tradition and our Jewish, um, you know, roots before that, that there is such richness, Mm -hmm. um, that when people discover it, they had, they're like, I had no idea. You know, I had no idea. Scott Hahn, who was, who's now like has a doctorate and teaches at a Catholic university was, um, I think he was like a Presbyterian or Lutheran pastor. He's a Protestant pastor who hated Catholicism Mm -hmm. and he would always preach against it. And then he finally, after a lot of different moments of kind of his heart being opened and doing research, he went to mass and he knew the Bible so well. 90% of the words that are said in mass are straight from scripture. And because he knew scripture so well, he sat in the back of mass and was like, do you know what you have? Like do you know what's happening? He was like thinking in his mind about everyone that was gathered there. Do they know what is going on? Like this is insane. He had this completely transformational experience because he he was able to have a conversation almost internally with the truth mm-hmm. and acknowledge like look at the richness that there is. And so I wholeheartedly believe if any of you listening like where wherever you are in your faith, if you seek what is true in your life, you will end up finding it in christ you will like i that's just something that i believe you may not believe that and that's totally cool but that's just based on my experience based on the nature of truth and that it comes from god you know like he established what was true and what was evil and what was you know lies um satan himself is called the father of lies like it's kind of logical for us who believe where truth comes from um and so to to have faith in that but not also but to not Wear it as this badge of honor, as if we live up to it perfectly. You know, we, we live in the middle, in the gray area. Yeah. So, um, I think that's it. All
1: right. I think so.
0: I had a couple other quotes. I'll put them up on the show notes. They're all about truth and stuff like that. But I think we've we've kind of established that awesome. tolerance sucks.
1: I think, yeah, it's just and dumb. it's not a sorry
0: saying I tolerate what you're doing in life is not telling someone that you love them. You know, when you love someone, it's, you're willing to tell them hard things. You're willing to tell them, look, this isn't okay what you're doing because you're meant for more. Um, And that's, that's what it really means to love someone. And it's not doing it out of um, a condescending tone or out of pity or out of, I think you should be religious or my ideology and the way I live my life is better than yours. It's an acknowledgement that like there is a reality to our world that is ordered, that is based in science and logic and how our bodies are designed, how we're designed to be in relationship with one another, um, how everything comes together in such a way that there is a path of truth that weaves it all together. And the closer that we walk that path, that mm-hmm. line, the happier and more fulfilled and more purpose-driven will be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Jenna, mm-hmm. tell us about a saint who just completely truth bombs us.
1: He does. He totally does. It's St. Thomas Aquinas. Thomas? Thomas
0: Aquinas.
1: Thomas <laughs> um, Okay, you guys. St. Thomas. His feast day is January 28th. He is the patron of students... In all universities, obviously, that's very fitting for who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, it is believed that he was born in Sicily in 1225, and he was the youngest of his family. And so, what that meant in that time was that you were to go to the expected to go to the monastery. And mm-hmm. so, at a very very young age, he began his studies at like five. Um, which is <laughs> so young, um, but he began to learn at five, and then there was some movement where he had to be moved to a different place, um, and then as he got older, he ended up going to the university, and at university, he it's believed that he was introduced to um, all of those ph- uh, philosophical influences of the time, so people like Aristotle and more, um, and. At this university that he attended, he also met a a Dominican preacher um, by the name of John. And John um, ended up influencing St. Thomas so much that um, St. Thomas wanted to become a Dominican. Like he wanted to go enter the order. And his family did not like that. They were very against it. Yes. Mm. They were so against it that when Thomas was going away to go to Rome to go, um, join the order or seek out the order, they actually kidnapped him and brought him back (laughs) and like placed him in, um, in their home for a complete year. Wow. Yeah. And they held him, they held him captive for a complete year. During that year, he just began educating his family, educating his sisters and, um, his mom, who had like, um, planned all of this, mm-hmm. had told his 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 brothers to like go get him and bring him back and hold him. Um, realized that he was so unhappy and that it would just be so much easier just to pretend that he escaped, and um, that way their family wouldn't be shamed or looked down upon. Mm-hmm. And so, she allowed him to escape through a window after a year of holding him captive. Um. But before that, sorry, I forgot about this part. This part's just hilarious. His brothers thought it would be a good idea to um, send in a prostitute to try and, like, convince him that he didn't Dang. need to join the Dominican order. And so what did St. Thomas do? He chased the prostitute out with an iron rod. <laughs> yeah. So he chased him out, and then that night he had um, a dream that two angels came and like strengthened his um, resolve to um, chastity and to celibacy. And so then after that, his mom was like, okay, we can't do anything. Just, we're just going to let you go. So they let him go. And after he was, his escape, he returned to his studies and his pursuit of the Dominican order. Um, he began to follow Albertus Mangus, which is just, a name. Reminds
0: me of Minkus from Poymets World.
1: <laughs> Minkus, yeah. It's like, yeah, that's how I'd imagine him. He was the chair of theology at St. James, um, where St. Thomas was attending. And um he ended up appointing Thomas as the magister of um students. And so at the time St. Thomas was really, really quiet and he actually didn't speak out a lot, and he was really, really scared. And um, the people thought that he was mentally delayed when he was, like, teaching because Mm -hmm. he just wasn't talking. And so there's a quote that says, you call him the dumb ox, but in his teaching, he will one day produce such a bellowing that it will be heard throughout the world. Mm -hmm. So this man that um, Thomas was following really, really believed in him, and, like, lifted him up and um knew that in him there would be greatness and so he continued to foster that and to like carry him and to teach him and he ended up receiving his masters he wrote a ton of books as we all know we read them they're so good um and in 1259 he was summoned to rome to serve as the people theologian and then um later on he was ordered to teach more um And so he continued to travel, he continued to write, he did all these things, but then he got sick, and on March 7th in 1274, he ended up passing away. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the quotes that I found that he had written, which is so beautiful and so true to um, this conversation that we had today, he said, three things are necessary for the salvation of man. To know what he ought to believe, to know what he ought to desire, and to know what he ought to do. Mm. So, in those conversations, like we were saying, just to uh, letting people know in a loving way um, what they ought to believe, not in a way of like, like I had said, in an Arab, I know truth, but just here is truth. Presenting truth yeah. in such a beautiful way. And that was something that St. Thomas did so well, is that he um, would address each point of arguments in a loving way, but in a way that was like debunking the falsehoods and the lies um that were presented to him and speaking truth in such a good beautiful way so he's always very methodical um in his conversations in his writings in everything that he did and he did end up creating a bellowing throughout the world yeah like um albertus
0: say. Mangus, mangus mangus. <laughs> mangus yeah so yeah that's our saint. aquinas is awesome he um he has all these works like the Summa Theologica, um, yes. and, and um, is one of his most massive. It's basically like a summary of theology, I think is what it means. Um, but what's sad about it is that, like, in Philosophy 101 classes, they'll print out like his five proofs for the existence of God and debunk them quote unquote, debunk them oh. and then move on. And it's like, okay, do you realize this is question three of like this is like the intro sentence of the intro paragraph of this massive encyclopedia size work where he goes into detail about all the different arguments that people bring against it. And yet all of these professors and all these people, they just reduce it down to a page down to the very intro paragraph of his Mm -hmm. argument and don't let him get into the evidence and the explanation of them. And so many people just believe or brush over it like, Oh, it's antiquated. It's no longer relevant. It's like, if you were actually to read ahead, everything that those professors say would completely be debunked. Um, so it's important to know like the breadth of his work. Um, the, he has this I- the idea of a steel man argument. Mm-hmm. Um, a straw man argument is when you take like one one aspect of the other person's argument. Politicians do this all the time, and um, you you tear that one tiny detail apart, and then you use that as evidence that the whole argument is trash. What Saint Thomas Aquinas would do is he would explain the opponent's argument better than they could. And would show all of these different, you know, counter arguments. And then he would answer every single one. And some, he'd even counter his own counter argument and then he'd re-counter it and explain why this is what it looks, this is what it means based on natural law, um, everything that we can observe, everything that we can know um, about what is true, why this argument is true. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just really, really awesome. Another awesome thing about St. Thomas Aquinas, all of the philosophers, like Greek philosophers, that was all lost. Um, to Western society, it was all lost um, uh, to, and it was preserved by um, the Arabic and Muslim tradition. And only around the time of Saint Thomas Aquinas, um, when a lot of different communities were living together in unity in the area of Spain, uh, the Muslims, the Jews, and the Christians all together did that. Um, the writings of people like Aristotle and Plato resurface and be reintroduced to Western society. And Saint Thomas Aquinas was instrumental. Oh, yeah. In a movement called scholasticism, which was basically like studying and regurgitating a lot of these writings and a lot of teachings of the church. And he's why he's instrumentally one of the main reasons why we have those writings today in Western culture. Um, And so he just played a really instrumental role in that and just in the explanations that we a lot of us still use today philosophically, um, theologically about everything that our church believes, especially about the nature of God and man and who Christ was. A lot of his writings are about that.
1: Kind of a big deal. Yeah.
0: He's a doctor of the church, um... He's pretty awesome. So if you are a Catholic nerd, and I'm sure you've probably already heard of him, but if you haven't, check him out. There's also a great podcast by Matt Fradd called Pints with Aquinas, yes. in which he talks about if you were to sit down with a pint of beer with Thomas Aquinas and ask him one question, what would it be? And he does that every episode. Um, and it's really very, very heavily dense theological philosophical talk, but he also has free ebooks and things to help you understand a lot of the different jargon that you'll need to know to read Aquinas. So he's a very good resource, Matt. Matt Frad, his podcast, Pints with Aquinas, to have if you want to dive into this awesome saint.
1: Amen. So,
0: yeah. St. Thomas Aquinas, pray for us. St. Charles Borromeo, pray for us. If you uh, want to and you can uh, to support us on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month, um, please go head over to you our could website. could use your dollar! I could use my dollar! <laughs> I already support us, but um, maybe I can just rack it up one more dollar. <laughs> Who knows? It could be our lucky day, thanks to me. So... <laughs> Um, but head over to our website mannafoodforthought.com and you can see our link to Patreon Um, you can also email us there um, manafoodforthought at gmail.com if you have any questions any uh, comments or suggestions for future episodes you can comment on all our blogs and vlogs there as well and see all the different content that we put out Um, so hopefully um, that will be of benefit to you if you uh, enjoyed this episode please make sure you rate and review this podcast on whatever you listen to Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes um, and share it on social media. Like and follow us on Instagram at ManaFoodForThought. Insta. And I think that's it. So until we see you next time, we will see you in the Eucharist. Bye.
1: Bye.